Chapter Two of Grace Harlowe's Problem. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two, The Last Frolic. The Sempers could scarcely have chosen a more perfect day for their last frolic. The sky wore its most vivid blue dress, ornamented by little fluffy white clouds, and a jolly vagrant breeze played lightly about the picnickers whispering in their ears the lively assurance that wind and sky and sun were all on their good behaviour for that day at least. The party were to make the trip to Picnic Hollow, as Arline had named their destination, in Alfreda's and Arline's automobiles. During the past year the latter had become greatly interested in automobiles and drove her own high-powered car with the sureness of an expert. "'What is the pleasure of this organization?' called Emma. It was an hour later, and nine young women stood grouped beside one of the automobiles. The other was stationed a short distance ahead. Four beauteous damsels can ride with chauffeur Thea. The other five will have to trust themselves to the tender but uncertain mercy of J. Elfrida. "'If that's your opinion of me, you're welcome to ride in Arlene's car.' declared Alfreda. "'Oh, my, no,' retorted Emma blandly. "'I couldn't think of it. "'I feel that my inspiring presence is due to ride on the front seat with you, J. Alfreda, "'to aid and sustain you, as it were. "'Yes, sustain me by making me laugh and running us all into the ditch. "'I know just how sustaining you can be. "'Never mind. "'I'll forgive your slighting remarks about me "'and give you the vacant place on the front seat.' Now, good people, she put on the business-like expression of an auctioneer. Who bids for the back seat of the Briggs's vehicle? Everyone is welcome to it except the Emerson twins, put in Emma. I dislike having them sit behind me. I prefer to sit behind them, but as I can't sit on the front seat and the back seat at the same time, it would really be better to put the twins in the Thayer chariot. We are going to ride with J. Alfreda was Sarah Emerson's defiant ultimatum. "'I'll sit between you and preserve the peace,' volunteered Miriam. "'And me at the same time,' added Emma hopefully. "'Twins, do your worst. Sit where you choose. Miriam will protect me.' Emma tottered toward Miriam, looking abjectly grateful and supremely ludicrous. "'That leaves Grace, Anne and Ruth to me,' declared Arline. Now let's hurry, girls. The sooner we reach Picnic Hollow, the longer we'll have to stay. The ride to Picnic Hollow was not a long one, but the picnickers were highly alive to every moment of it. We'll have to turn in here and take the road to the left, called Elfrida over her shoulder. They had reached a point where a narrower road crossed the highway and wound around the hills, sloping gradually at the lowest point into the very heart of the little valley, which looked particularly cool and inviting. All right, caroled Arline, lead the way and we'll follow. Slowly the two cars, propelled by two extremely careful chauffeurs, wound their way down the country road, which, according to Elfrida, was just wide enough and no wider. Bumpity bump, even to the bottom of the hollow, were no bones broken, announced Emma Dean with a cheerful wave of her hand as she hopped out of the car and proceeded to assist the Emerson twins to alight with a great show of ceremony. 
"'What a perfectly darling spot!' was Arlene's joyous exclamation. "'Just see that cunning brook. It's so pretty where it ripples past that old tree. It doesn't look deep, either. I'm going in wading. See if I don't. What shall we do first, girls?' Grace, who had been walking ahead with Arlene, a luncheon hamper swinging between them, suddenly turned and faced the others, as laden with rugs and cushions, they strolled along behind her. "'Let's just play around for a while,' proposed Miriam. "'There's a field of daisies and golden rod if anyone wants to go blossom-gathering.' Ruth spoke of taking some pictures, too. "'Then we can play in the brook and go in wading if we like. Only I don't like.' Arlene and the Emerson twins elected to go in wading. Miriam and Anne drifted off to explore the brookside, while Ruth posed Grace, Emma and Elfrida for snapshots until they rebelled and begged for mercy. Later, half the company stayed near the impromptu camp under the big elm tree that overhung the brook, while the other half went on an exploring expedition, and when they returned, the first half sallied forth. "'We shan't stay away long,' warned Arlene Thayer. It's after one o'clock now, and I'm hungry as a hunter. Still, we don't intend to let mere hunger conflict with our desire for exploration, was Emma Dean's firm reminder. Given a chance, we may find something wonderful. We may dig the prehistoric mastodon for some snug corner where he burrowed several thousand years ago. I never knew that mastodons burrowed, scoffed Sam Emerson. That's a new truth in natural history brought to light by Professor Dean, which shall be proven when we return triumphantly with a few armfuls of bones, flung back Emma as she hurried to catch up with Grace, Arlene, Ruth and Anne, who had already started. What would life be without Emma Dean? eulogized Sue Emerson after Emma's vanishing back. Sarah and I are always quoting her at home. It seems so strange that until the Sempers organised, we never knew her very well. It was through Grace we learned to know Emma. The longer I know Grace Harlowe, the prouder I am to be her friend, said Elfrida slowly. That is the way we all think about Grace, was Sue Emerson's quick return. You and Miriam are especially lucky in having her for a chum. The four young women talked on until a long, clear trill announced the return of the other half of the exploring party. "'Where, oh, where are the Masterton's bones?' called out Sarah Emerson jeeringly, as soon as Emma Dean came within hailing distance and empty-handed. "'Buried out of sight and as hard as stones,' came Emma's rhymed rejoinder. "'How do you know how hard they are if they're buried out of sight?' scoffed Sarah as Emma came up behind her. Mere supposition, my child, mere supposition. The strollers had now reached the impromptu camp and were smiling over the exchange of words on the part of Emma and Sarah. It was a delightful walk, declared Grace. I'd like to spend two or three days in these woods. Stay over another week and do it, tempted Elfrida. I can't. Grace shook her head regretfully. I must spend one week at home before I leave for Overton, and I simply must be at Overton and in Harlow House at least a week before it opens. There are so many things to be done. Thank goodness I'll have Emma to help me this year. Last fall I felt as lonely as a shipwrecked mariner when I landed on the station platform at Overton. 
Then I heard Emma Dean's voice behind me. I truly believe it was the pleasantest surprise of my life. There, twins, now you hear what others think of me, exclaimed Emma in triumph. Perhaps hereafter you'll be more appreciative of my many lovely qualities. We never said you were the worst person in the world, conceded Julia. Neither did you ever refer to me as the pleasantest surprise of your life, reminded Emma. You're a constant surprise, Emma, and always a funny one, was Sarah's magnanimous tribute. Twins, you are forgiven. You may sit beside me if you're good while we eat luncheon. I can be magnanimous too. The big luncheon hampers were brought out by Elfreda and Miriam. A tablecloth was laid on the grass, and the luncheon was spread forth in all its glory. There were several kinds of toothsome sandwiches, salads, olives and pickles, fruity and plenty of sweets for dessert. There was coffee in two large thermos bottles, and there was also imported ginger ale. The hungry girls lost no time in seating themselves about this alfresco luncheon, making the quiet hollow ring with the merry talk and laughter of their last delightful frolic together. End of chapter 2